Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. So today we are in week two of our sermon series called Religion and Science, and the video was much better than just a question with music. We don't know what happened there. Um, And what we're trying to accomplish in this short, yet I believe very important sermon series is to begin to see that this battle that has been going on between religion and science for the last 500 years or so, it really isn't necessary. And the reason it isn't necessary is because when science is used in the right way, like anything else for that matter, right? Anything can be used and abused. It has nothing to do with trying to prove the Bible wrong or that God doesn't exist. But instead, it's a simple yet powerful method that I believe that God has given to us as a gift to make our lives in the world better. Along with helping us to learn even more about just how big and complex and magnificent our God really is. So this week, to continue to add to what we learned last week, and I hope your minds were blown, I hope your minds were stirring after last week, I want to open you up to this powerful idea that all truth is God's truth. Then followed by an introduction to this um, special and general revelation to give you a way of thinking about where it is that God's truth can be found. And it's my hope um, that when you guys leave today, your, your notion of what is true will be expanded Um, And you'll be closer to getting at um, just how big God's truth really is. So to set the scene for this particular topic, um, what I've encountered in my many years of being Christian when it comes to um, what is labeled true is that there's this notion, this belief that for something to be true, for something to be right, it must be Christian. For instance, when reading books, you need to make sure that you're reading only Christian books um, by Christian authors. When listening to music, you need to only listen to Christian music. When watching television, you need to make sure that whatever you're watching comes from a particular Christian perspective. And it's even the case that when it comes to interacting with other Christians, you need to make sure that you're only hanging out with Christians. And the reason why you need to do this, or the reason why you need to surround yourself with everything that is Christian is because the assumption is if it's not Christian, or if it's not something that has come from a believer, then you can't know for certain if it's true. Or even more than that, if it's not Christian, then it's probably dangerous and it could damage your faith. So you just need to stay away from it. Or better yet, you need to fight against it because that's what you're called to do. Or how many of you have come across this notion, this belief that if it's not Christian, it can't be true? Anybody had this experience before? Yeah. Truth is, whether you've had this experience or not, this is something that is prevalent um, in the United States of America when it comes to certain forms of Christianity. But what I would like to point out to you is the problem with that way of thinking is that there are a whole lot of things that have been labeled Christian that are not only false, but are not even close to what Jesus taught. Not to mention that this way of thinking about truth is not near big enough to encounter all of God's truth. Or to give you some perspective on this, to make this pop, 
When you scour the pages of American history, you will find that much of the justification for slavery in this great country of ours didn't come from a bunch of evil, greedy people sitting around trying to figure out the cheapest way to make some money, but instead was developed and then defended based on many a faithful Christian's interpretation of the Bible. And that for them, it was clearly the case that according to Scripture, God created some people to be masters, which by masters, of course, they meant themselves. Slaves were not saying this. Oh, he created others to be slaves. And then because of this, they truly believed that, that not only was releasing slaves something that went against God's will, but they also thought that people who fought for the freedom of slaves were wrong. Or in the name of God, hundreds of thousands of Christians fought for the practice of slavery with everything that they had convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the work they were doing was right. They were on God's side. They were doing this based on God's word. And then to push this example even further, to kind of spread it out so you can see it's not just with this event, what I think you'll find when you go back and walk through almost every major change issue or event that has happened in the United States, think women's suffrage here, think the civil rights movement, think Roe v. Wade, every war that has ever been fought, you will find devoted, faithful, God-fearing Christians on both sides of every issue claiming that they are the ones who are on God's side, that they are the true Christians. Well, for me, what I think that really puts into perspective is we need to be very careful about thinking things are true just because they're labeled Christian. It's not that easy. It's a little more complex than that. Now, I am not throwing out Christian music. I am not throwing out you need to hang out with your Christian friends. I'm not throwing out any of that stuff. All that stuff is good. We just need to be a little more careful in thinking that because it's Christian, it has to be true. Or because it's been labeled Christian, it has to be true. Then to take this uh, example, this, this, this idea even further, let me share with you an experience I had that, that opened me up to seeing that God's truth is way bigger than we oftentimes think. It's way bigger than these labels that we oftentimes use. So... Um, Way, way back in 2004, after I just graduated from seminary, I was working at a church in Oklahoma City, was an associate minister, trying to get some things figured out. Um, in my nerdiness, I decided for fun to take a class in Greek, um, right? This is what I did for fun back then. Hey, you guys want to go play some basketball? No, I'm going to go take a class in Greek. That's who I was back then, right? And so I went to take this class um, at Oklahoma Christian, which was a Church of Christ school. Wasn't far from where I worked. It was up in Edmond. Took me about 20 minutes there. I could take a class and get back to school and all that kind of stuff. Now, what you need to know about the Church of Christ is that this is a particular denomination with a pretty strict interpretation on most things, right? So much so that most of those churches will not allow music, actual um, uh, instruments into their worship service, they sing a cappella. So they're very, very serious about their interpretation stuff. There's not a lot of wiggle room. So what happened about six weeks into this class that I was taking is I remember this student challenging our professor, right, which is always fun. And he said something like this. He said, that can't be true because it doesn't come from the Bible. And I, could, I wish I could remember exactly what he said, but I'm getting older now and those things are starting to go away, right? Anybody else have that problem? But what I do remember is that this student was digging in his heels in an attempt to take on the big dog. 
He was daring to challenge the guy who had given most of his life to the study of all things New Testament, to all things God. And so what happened is everyone kind of leaned in because who doesn't like a bit of drama mixed with Greek verbs, right? I remember this professor getting very quiet. And he walked over from the chalkboard to his desk, and it was a chalkboard. That's how old I am. Then sitting down at his desk, he said something like this. You know, some, just because something doesn't come from the Bible, that doesn't mean it can't be true. Because when you think about it, there's a whole lot of things and topics that the Bible never even mentions that are clearly true. Have you ever been to a doctor? Have you ever sought any kind of medical treatment? Well, if you've been treated by a doctor, then you are relying on a whole lot of truth that is not in the Bible. And then he went on to say, the reason I know this is because I have the whole of the New Testament memorized, not only in Greek, but also in English. And that truth is not there. Then this professor to kind of push this idea to its furthest extreme and all to make his point stick, not only for this kid, but for everybody in this class, because clearly this is a challenge he had faced in his years of being a professor. He wanted to nip it in the bud, if you will. He then went on to quote the Buddha, famous saying from the Buddha, and he asked this young man, he said, is this true? Is this saying true? Now, what do you think the kid is doing at this point? Man, he is turning bright red. He is backed into a corner. He's getting all huffy and puffy. You know, he's taking on the big dog and he's reaping the rewards of this thing. And so what he says is, no way that can be true. There's no way that can be true. It comes from another religion. How is it possible that something true comes from another religion? To which the professor explained how this particular teaching from the Buddha lined up exactly with what Jesus taught on the subject. So to disagree with Buddha was to disagree with Jesus. Then to conclude this discussion, the professor, he went on to explain that after years and years and years of wrestling with this issue, because he said it's an important issue we've all got to work through, he finally came to the conclusion that what the Bible never says verbatim, but points to over and over again, is that all truth is God's truth. All truth is God's truth. It doesn't matter where you find it. It doesn't matter who says it, or even if you don't believe it, all truth is God's truth. Now, in the years since, being hit with that kind of wisdom, that bomb, and wrestling with exactly what he meant, because it disturbed me when I first heard it. I was like, wait a minute, that's, that's weird, that's strange to me. Well, after wrestling with it and wrestling with it, I too have come to the conclusion that if something is true, and God is the one responsible for creating all things as they are, then God's the one who made it true. Pretty simple, pretty basic, pretty straightforward. If something's true, and God is the one responsible for creating all things as they are, then God is the one that made it true. Which ultimately means if God made it true, then there is nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, that I have to fear about learning the truth. No matter what that truth may be. So now that you're starting to get your mind wrapped around the, the idea that truth is probably way bigger than you once thought, let me now introduce you to a way of making sense of where God's truth can be found by showing you a method that has actually been around for the last thousand years. 
This is nothing new. This is the way Christians have been doing this forever. So during the 1200s, one of the most influential Christian thinkers of all times, Thomas Aquinas, came up with this very simple way of categorizing how God reveals his truth to the world. And according to Aquinas, there are two main ways God reveals his truth. That's special revelation and general revelation. Special revelation and general revelation, I want that to stick in your brain. So what Aquinas means by special revelation is that the main way we are Christians are able to know what is true is through Scripture. Because in Scripture, what we find are inspired words of God that not only help us to understand who God is, but also how it is that God is at work in the world, bringing about the salvation and the restoration of all things through Christ. So there is no doubt that when it comes to knowing what is true, the first place we go in regards to who God is and how God is at work in the world is to the Bible because the Bible is where God gives us his special revelation. But then even though it's clearly the case that the Bible is where we go for this truth, that doesn't mean you can't find truth in other places. It doesn't mean you can't find truth outside the Bible. And the reason we know this to be true It's because, again, like we talked about last week, the Bible tells us, the Bible itself actually tells us that we can find truth through the things that God has created. Or Romans 1.20 says this, Ever since the creation of the world, His eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things that He has made. Do you get that? Ever since the creation of the world. This is not new. This is since the beginning. His eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things that he has made. And so Aquinas, based on that logic, based on the logic of Scripture itself, developed his second category of knowing truth, which he called general revelation. And what Aquinas is getting at through this category is that just like the Bible opens us up and helps us to understand God's truth, It is possible to learn, know, and understand truth in and through all that God has created. Or that creation is like a book that we are able to read, to learn, and know even more about our God. Or all the truth that is not found in Scripture but can be found in the world, that is general revelation. And then what I would like to add to Aquinas' notion of special, or excuse me, general revelation is that one of the main methods that we can use to help us to read or uncover all that God has revealed about himself through creation is science. Is science, because not only does science help us to understand how things work and and how things can be used, but science also is a way of knowing that points beyond itself to the one who has created all of this. Or, Or through science, we can learn even more about God. Now, I don't know about you guys, but, but growing up as a kid, I grew up around scientists. My whole family is made up of scientists, so it's never been a scary thing for me. It's never been a scary thing for me. In fact, when I was probably third, fourth grade, I would go to the library, and instead of you know, checking out some kind of novel or some kind of book like that, I went to read books about the human body. <laughs> Who's a bigger nerd in this room than I am? <laughs> Nobody. But the reason I did that It's because when I read about the human body and how it was woven together in these amazing ways, when I read about cells and the DNA and all that kind of stuff, what it did is it stirred in my heart something bigger. It pointed beyond itself to something 
amazing, something that is so big and so complex that we have no idea. We think we do, but we have no idea. That's what science can do for us. It doesn't have to be something that we fight against. Now, indoor plumbing is fantastic, and I want everybody in the world to have that. Water that comes into your house is absolutely amazing. We take that for granted, but half the world doesn't have that. We need more of that, and science helps us to do that. But what I also help you find in your science is that it points beyond itself to this God who is bigger and more amazing than you could have ever imagined. So what I would like to propose as we move forward, as we make our way into the future, is that it, instead of continuing to distrust and fight against science like it's this enemy, that we as faithful, devoted, unapologetic followers of Christ move beyond this idea that truth can only be found in the Bible, can only be learned through things that are labeled Christian, and to begin to see that no matter where truth is found, it is God's truth. Because all truth is God's truth. What do you guys think? Hallelujah. Or to, to get practical on this, what I hope for all of you is not only will you devote your life to reading Scripture to continue to learn more about God, and if you don't have God time, if you don't have a time where you're sitting down once a day to read Scripture and to pray, you need to. That's going to change your life. But may you also begin to read science, looking for what it is that you can learn through the wonder, beauty, and complexity of all that God has made. Because that can change it too. And if you don't believe me, come back next week and we are going to nerd out. We're going to talk about quantum mechanics. Oh, come on. Quantum mechanics and all these things about how our universe is made up. It's just absolutely extraordinary. And what we're going to be reminded of next week is that it's always been the case that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Let us pray. Father, again, we come to you today as we wrestle with this topic of science and religion. And my hope is we're all beginning to see that science is not this big, scary thing we need to run from or be scared of, but instead is a method, a simple method that we can use to help us uncover your truth, the world the way you created it. Or may we become the kind of people, Lord, that, that don't just see Scripture as the revealer of your truth, although that's foundational. May we be the kind of people that see your truth everywhere that realize that all of this it doesn't exist without you and that through all of this you speak to us you reveal to us who you are in even bigger ways Lord we ask this all in Jesus Christ's name Amen You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.